0: Welcome back to Field Notes by AgChoice, an educational podcast focused on inspiring growth in our families, businesses, and rural communities. Thanks for listening. This week's episode is a recap of a recent webinar we hosted on AgChoice's dairy industry outlook. Each year, a team of AgChoice employees compile a document which includes an analysis of global, national, and local dairy trends, a price forecast for the current year, and recommended best practices for Pennsylvania dairy producers. In today's episode, we'll hear from Mike Hosterman and Heather Weeks, who are Ag Choice Ag Business Consultants with extensive dairy backgrounds, who together authored the Dairy Outlook document. They'll share highlights from the report to help us better understand factors impacting the dairy industry. To kick off the discussion, Mike will share the team's projections on 2022 Pennsylvania milk prices and costs.
1: 2021 is gonna come in roughly at an average year. So what we're expecting for 2022 is, I'll simply say right now, if you look at class three and class four prices, they're at record highs, you know? So we're probably going to see a record high milk price. We are anticipating that the uh, 2022 milk price, the gross milk price for our PA producers will be $6 to 650 higher than it was in 2021. Which means, we, again, if you look at an up per cow, which a lot of us on this call that are lenders, you know, earnings before interest taxes and depreciation is a way a lot of lenders will make projections without getting into the weeds on, you know, feed price or labor prices. up per cow will be higher than it was in 2021. And we are saying for the up project about $100 per cow higher in 2022 than it was in 2021. Or excuse me, higher than it was on our five-year average, but it won't be a record year from a profit standpoint. It will be good profit for most producers when you look at that net income per cow or net income per hundredweight. But it's probably not going to be our 2018 where we had those really high prices, uh, just because cost of production is up. When you really think about what's going on in there out there with inflation, maybe some shortages of fertilizer, chemicals, and seeds. We are seeing a higher cost of production, and we are anticipating that the cost of production, which will cover our our net worth, our equity, maintaining our balance sheet, will be somewhere around $22 a hundredweight, which will be up significantly from our prior years of $19 to $20, up $2 to $3 a hundredweight. At the same time, our break-even costs, or what is our cash flow, will also be going up to almost $23 based on what debt's done.
0: Next, Mike and Heather will tag team some areas of
1: focus for Pennsylvania dairy producers this year. In the Northeast, when you think about areas for us to focus on, you know, we we have a infrastructure, let's talk about processing, that may be somewhat limited. We haven't seen a lot of reinvestment in it. We have typically produced, you know, fluid milk, not a lot of other products to go with it, which makes it difficult in us when fluid consumption's down. Dairy consumption's up. It's just not in what maybe products we produce here in the Northeast. So when you think about something I said earlier with we're at record high class three and class four prices, and a lot of us out there keep hearing this term risk management, right? You know, producers got to do risk management. I look at it going into 2022. We are at some record high prices. Yeah, our input costs are up, but there's a lot of opportunities out there if we focus on a few things. One of the things I tell us to focus on, and it's not on the screen here, is making sure every producer is enrolled in DMC. Cheap insurance for producers to do some risk management, you know. But I would say, from the producer standpoint, they need to focus on components. When you tend to look at Pennsylvania being lower in milk per cow, but if you dig into that deeper, even on an energy corrected milk basis, we ship less components than other producers around the U.S. do. And we need to focus on that. We need to increase our percentages of butter, fat, and protein along with production levels. Because hey, the more components we can ship, the less water we ship, the more potential for profit, because we're not paying the haul that water down the driveway to the processing plant. You know? So they really need to focus on some component levels here in the Northeast to try and prove it. Top herds across the US tend to be greater than six, more around six and a half. And there are producers out there shooting for seven pounds of components per cow per day or even higher levels than that. So, again, for me, one of the focus areas that we should be working with Pennsylvania producers on are our component levels. How many pounds of components are we shipping per cow per day? And again, with record high prices, consider contracting. Producers should consider taking the risk off the table and contracting at these high prices. You know, one of the things I hear from producers all the time, if I contract and prices go higher, I left money on the table, I'm losing money. I would argue they aren't losing money. In fact, I tell all the producers I work with, if you're going to contract, the best thing that can happen to you if you contract, especially when you go to the co-op with that contract, we see a negative on the milk check for those contracts. That means your market prices are higher. And in theory, we are still making more money, even though we left an opportunity cost on the table with that contract. And where these prices are, They're at record highs. Our costs are going to be up, but these record high prices, you can lock in a profit and producers should be trying to focus on locking in those prices before you see the market turn and they start coming back down. If you compare it to corn or soybean producers in, in the U.S., usually when you go into a crop season, we aren't pricing the crop or getting ready to plant. We're actually looking to contract or price the crop that's a year away you know, the following year. So in 2022, they'd be marketing the 2023 crop before the 2022s in the ground because the, the Chicago board presents a lot of opportunity. The same is true in milk. So producers need to try to focus on where can they lock in these prices at? And another cheap way to do that is the DRP insurances. And I say cheap because it is somewhat subsidized by USDA. They are at a higher cost today than what DRP was a few years back when it first came out because of volatility. But again, if you wanna look at ways to focus on securing profitability or securing these reasonable prices, there are tools out there that producers should be focusing on.
2: So Mike talked about prices. When you take your milk price and you subtract your feed costs, you get that milk margin. And milk margin is going to be one of those things that we really believe that farms need to monitor this year. Some uh, consultants or uh, people might call it income over feed costs. They are one and the same. Uh, just use a few different uh, vocabulary words to talk about them. But really need to monitor that margin, that cost of production as you are making decisions on your farm. If you are working with farms to help them try and analyze their business. I have had a lot of producers ask me, will 2022 be profitable? Because farms are ignoring that amazing milk price and they are focusing on the cost of inputs and that high feed cost. And while we are projecting Uh, a marginally profitable year this year, I think it's important to recognize that every single farm is different. One thing I love about working with dairy farms is that they are not cookie cutter and every farm has different inputs, has different focuses on their operation. And without analyzing your specific business, we really don't know what your cost of production is and how to incorporate the different input costs that we have. And a lot of farms have in some ways contracted for certain inputs this year. We do know that there were opportunities to lock in fertilizer, nitrogen, some chemicals earlier in the fall. There's some opportunities to contract some feed here going back. And these are all things we have to take into account when we're looking at how we're budgeting out for 2022. I have had a few people say, well, I'm just going to cut costs, put as little uh, crop inputs as I can out because that way I will minimize my cost as much as possible. And I think that's a really dangerous thing to do without truly looking at the budget that we have because it's very possible that you can afford to continue with a fairly normal cropping plan knowing that we do have some of these uh, income factors locked in, especially if you've taken Mike's advice from the first couple slides, contracted some milk or done DRP or have DMC locked in, we know that we're fairly confident in our milk price. We can then budget on the input side and know essentially what we have to spend there to know that we're getting some quality forages off of our fields. I do really caution that if, we are taking um, some shortcuts on the cropping side, we might end up purchasing expensive grain substitutes if we don't get the yields we think we're gonna have. If we cut corners on the feed side, it might result in lower components, lower production overall. And that really is just going to undercut the whole goal, which is to save us money in the long run because we're really just gonna cut off that income driver to, start out with. So to really make strong decisions there, especially when we are dealing with so many things that are uncertain, we really need to have good numbers and good data to back up the decisions that we're making. And we're not asking you to do it alone. There are a lot of people out there that are comfortable helping you work through some of these numbers, whether it's your agronomist, your nutritionist, folks at AgChoice or at Penn State Extension that can help you work through some of these numbers.
1: Heather was right. Don't cut costs. I mean, try to control your costs. Every time I've worked with producers and they say we're going to cut costs, yeah, they've cut their costs, but they've also tended to cut their production. And the bottom line is, if you don't cut your costs enough and maintain the production, your cost actually goes up. So it works against them. So I think we got to control our costs And one of the ways you can do that is what we buy. You know, we can buy in bulk. And again, I know for some of our smaller farms, buying in bulk is not easy because they come in larger quantities than say a single producer needs. So maybe it is collaborating with that neighbor, you know, partnering up to buy things together. Uh, I know Heather and I have been involved with a group in Chambersburg at one point that did that on their seeds and there were savings they could find by going together to buy their seeds. You know, other things to think about, If you go back to an early slide where I showed that the cost, the farm expenses with a credit for the non-milk income, you know, make sure everything you're producing, whether it's excess heifers, if you have excess crops to sell, are the highest quality, or if you have extra space, maybe you are feeding out a few steers, you know, that can drive the income side of the equation. I have found it better over my career to encourage producers to work on the, the income level more so than cutting expenses. So controlling the cost by focusing on those other enterprises we have. And we also need to find efficiencies. You know, If we have employees, can we empower them that we don't have to watch over their shoulder all the time that they're doing their job well at less cost to you and maybe even doing it at a higher level. Sometimes it's giving them the authority to do things so you're not having to supervise as much or watch over their shoulder, but making sure we stay efficient making sure that labor pool is doing the right things that you want. You know, it really is about trying to control the cost and maximize the output.
2: One of our areas of focus is to use some of those earnings really wisely and build some cash reserves, pay down the line of credit where possible, and to illustrate that, these are some of the things that we look for on our farms when we are analyzing a farm's balance sheet uh specifically in the uh in the cash categories we're looking at current ratio and working capital to see how well the farm is doing at holding on to some of its cash and how liquid is it um And what we are estimating here, and now these are estimates going back to where we feel that 2021 has ended up. We don't have the final numbers yet for us. And current ratio working capital have been fairly strong for the last couple of years. They do meet our goals. Our goals are based on industry recommendations. Uh, But I do want to caution that some of these numbers can be clouded by where those values are hidden is it all in inventories or is there some actually in cash and we may need to tease that out by going a little bit deeper if you are building cash reserves one of the easiest ways to do that is to pay down the credit line i think some farms think that getting a couple of notes off of their payment schedule sounds really great if they can get rid of a piece of equipment uh, if the payment on that piece of equipment is just kind of there and they can get that gone, that sounds like a really great idea, but it's maybe only saving them a few hundred dollars a month on that debt payment. Whereas paying down that line of credit really gives a lot more flexibility to the farm. If they are able to get a line of credit paid down, it's still available to draw back out if something happens and they need that cash available. So those are some areas we really wanna work on. Mike has touched on the debt question a few times here. And even with a strong couple of years from 2019 through 2021, we really haven't seen a lot of movement on that debt level. And when we look at debt to EBITDA, we're looking at how many dollars of debt does the farm have to every dollar of earnings? We really wanna see that number below that $5 mark, uh, really under four would be great. And we just really haven't seen it improve a whole lot at this point. Farms really are reborrowing. We touched on that capital purchases number staying pretty strong, whether we have a positive net income year or not. And so it is something we wanna watch and be cognizant of. And then when you're looking at percent equity, how can we really focus on that farm, getting them in position to make some of these improvements that are going to position our farms to have that presence and have that competitive nature with the rest of our dairy industry? And how does that relationship between percent equity, which is your overall um, health of your balance sheet with that debt to EBITDA ratio. You know, we wanna see that uh, percent to equity, well, does look fairly strong. We wanna make sure that our farms are utilizing debt um, smartly and understand where that debt is going. Is it all in equipment debt? Is it operating debt? Where are they um, focusing on that and how can we really get them to be, um, Addressing some of these questions that really puts them in a strong position to take advantage of opportunities when they see it. And especially when we've got a strong milk price year like the one we're headed into, how can we really use it as a good opportunity rather than just looking at some of the challenges that we see in front of us today? You know, and, and what's driving all of these numbers? is that debt coverage ratio at the bottom line? Is that cash flow? How are we driving the income to be able to cover some of these things to pay down debt? And it looks like you know we have had a few years of more positive debt coverage opportunities. We have had the cash to be able to cover these debt payments. But if you look at that five-year average number, we've pretty much been break even. And so we need to be taking advantage of every option possible to get our balance sheet in a position to where we have the options long term to be successful in dairy.
1: The bottom line to me really can be summarized on this screen about, you know, yeah, 2022, the milk price is going to be looking good, you know, $6 higher than last year and we're gonna be profitable. We're going to have a positive cash flow, but we need to focus on those areas that Heather and I have discussed, you know, build that balance sheet, You know, control your cost, focus on production. There's opportunities out there. And again, there is gonna be a profitable year there. Talk with advisor, neighbors, and mentors, how you take advantage of those opportunities or how you control your costs or how you do risk management. If you had to just sum it up in a few words, make a budget, monitor it, and adjust regularly. And when I say regularly, do this on a quarterly basis. Again, 2022 is looking to be a good year. May not be record profits, but it's a good year where we can rebuild our balance sheet, continue to do some improvements. But more importantly, if you are a business owner out there or you're employed, have fun with what you do. I tend to always want to conclude by telling you to have fun because if you're not enjoying what you do, you may want to rethink your business plan or what you do do.
0: A special thanks goes to Mike and Heather for sharing their insights on the dairy industry for our podcast listeners. I invite you to view the full Dairy Industry Outlook document on our website. Go to agchoice.com forward slash dairy outlook. Again, that's agchoice.com slash dairy to download the document or watch a full version of our recent Dairy Outlook webinar. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, plus subscribe and share it with a friend. As always, you can head over to agchoice.com podcasts to view the transcript and listen to other episodes. To catch all the latest from us, follow along on Facebook and Instagram at AgChoiceFarmCredit.